Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. I want to sing, but I'm <laughs> I was kind of wondering what the response would be. I'm not ready to debut my my voice. <laughs> Don't worry, neither am I. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that. You've sung in multiple podcast episodes, though, and I have, have not. I? <laughs> yeah. You realize that once we're done, I completely forget that. <laughs> like I forget all of what we do. Yeah, I know. It's always a surprise. And then when you send me clips, I'm like, oh my god, I said that. <laughs> There's no one saying it now. <laughs> I have proof. Yep. Sweet, sweet proof. Proof or, you know, blackmail if you were cruel. Thankfully, you're not. <laughs> I am a benevolent editor. Yay. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Rafe, a buff male nanny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Unexpectedly deserted by her livid nanny, single mother Dr. Sloan Copeland needs someone, hopefully more reliable, to watch her precocious daughters. She hires Rafe Whitcomb, tattooed, bearded, and highly recommended. They have immediate chemistry and begin developing a romantic relationship. There will be spoilers beyond this point. Who is Dr. Sloan Copeland? Sloan is... I don't know if she's the youngest, but one of the youngest female surgeons in the area, I think, in L.A. She's quite young. I know she went through medical school at a very young age. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember her age at the start of the story. She's in her late 20s. She had an unusual childhood because she's basically a genius and you get the impression she skipped a lot of grades. Because she was like 10 in high school. Her mother accompanied her throughout her entire schooling. Yeah. (laughs) A little close there. I'm a little like torn on whether that's overprotective or fine. I think if you have a 10 year old with 17 year olds, some level of guardianship should be happening. Whether or not it has to be specifically the parent or a surrogate. I think that would be different. It seems odd to me to let your kids skip so many grades because of the social aspect of school. Yeah. Like, it seems that could be a detriment to them, even though, you know, they're brilliant and they're ready to learn on their own. I mean, you'd think, well, maybe private tutoring or something, but maybe they couldn't afford it. I don't know. For Dr. Sloan, I I think it is a bit of a detriment to her later on it is because of how awkward she is with socializing and stuff yeah because due to her unusual unique childhood experience she's not used to creating friendships she's not used to having like she's not had very many relationships her first and only romantic relationship was with her ex-husband she has social issues In addition to being a brilliant, acclaimed, kind of famous uh, heart surgeon, she is also a single mother. She has twin six-year-old girls who are just about ready to start kindergarten, who are also very precocious. Yeah, I like the kids. Yeah, they're really cute. I like how they have distinctive personalities. Mm -hmm. Me too. The weirder, the better. (laughs) So her work life is great. Her family life is great because she's got her girls. She's moved far away from her crappy ex because she's moved from Seattle to L.A. Which is why her her life is good. (laughs) Basically, yeah. She has a great job. She's making friends. Um, Her best friend in the area is, how do we pronounce that name? Zeni? 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 I think it was Zeni. Who, by the way, is the protagonist of book two. Yeah. And her, yeah. So her BFF is Zenny, who is a teacher at the school the girls will be going to. And she's created kind of a friend group with Zenny's friends. So she feels kind of like an interloper a bit, even though they've welcomed her 
we first meet Sloane in the story when she gets home from work and things just seem a little off. And when she goes inside, her nanny is not there and her daughters seem kind of freaked out. Yeah. Calm, but freaked out. They're- their normal has been disrupted and they know they know the nanny is supposed to be there. And they didn't call their mom when the nanny left because the nanny told them it wasn't an emergency and, and they're only supposed to call her at work if it's an emergency. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Prior live-in nanny Tess leaves a note with one of the daughters saying, I'm sorry, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> And then abandoned the house and left the girls alone for like four hours until Sloane got off work. Yikes. Which is just terrifying as a parent. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I was worried for, like, I can't imagine. I can't, no. It's just the amount of trauma those girls must feel too. You know, being abandoned by an adult they're supposed to trust. Yeah. Plus it's a live-in nanny situation. So this is someone who's an active participate in their lives like all the time does sloan like bring up charges like child endangerment or anything like that because that would be exactly where my mind would go she thinks about it and she's been texting like the the nanny the Mm ex-nanny who finally texts her back and then sloan just kind of shelves it yeah no i'd be too angry (laughs) there would be no shelving it there'd be shelving her in a little jar. Yeah, no, I would I would have filed a police report that day. Like, what? Yeah, no, there, there would be no. <laughs> no. So I'm not sure if this is just like a, a nod to the fluffy nature of the story. Yeah. Or if it's a nod to Sloane's character. Because she's not good at social stuff. That's true. When she's freaking out, like after she gets the girls put to bed, she's freaking out privately and she calls, she has a call with her, her friend Zenny. And this happens a lot in the book. She calls Zenny and Zenny tells her to navigate the situation. Yeah. Gives her guidance because she needs it. Yeah. And as a teacher, you know, Zenny would be good at that. Yeah, I'm not sure like if this like is like an issue with the story or if it's just like more characterization for Sloane. But at any rate, Zenny puts the word out on the street that Sloane needs a new nanny. Meanwhile, we meet Rafe. Now, Rafe, he's 34 and he's been a live-in nanny for several different families over the course of 14 years. For his backstory, um, his mom died when he was 13 years old and then his dad moved him to L.A., Due to, I think, just like not being able to grieve the way he wanted to grieve. I think in part, he kind of falls in with the wrong crowd, drops out of high school, starts stealing cars. He ends up spending six months in juvie. Meanwhile, his dad, Joe, meets his future stepmom, Monica, and they are together. Monica is awesome. Mm -hmm. Her family kind of give a wake up call to Rafe and they're like, Look, you can't do this. You have a choice to make here. And so Rafe turns his life around. I think Monica was really good for Rafe because he needed that mother figure, I think. I do too. I think she was a positive maternal force in his life. Yeah, his dad, it's weird because he thinks about the relationship his dad had with his his mom and how they just kind of tolerated each other. Mm. They were friends, but not a good couple. And then he thinks about his dad's relationship with Monica and how they're they're a unit. And so it really seems to me like Monica basically saved both Rafe and Joe. Yeah, I got that impression too. Rafe has recently ended his last contract with the family he's been working with for the past several years because they're moving to Australia. And they offered to, like that family wanted to take him with them and he declined. Because Rafe is starting to look down the barrel of his life going, you know, I haven't been able to maintain any sort of relationship due to my job. I don't know that I want to do this forever. I want to do something else. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure where to go. But that's why he doesn't take that job. He's at a bit of a crossroads. He gets a call from one of the teachers, I believe, at the elementary school about uh, Sloan's situation. 
telling him about the job. And so he gets recommended to Sloan that way. So while it's not a big issue in the story, I think it's important to note that Sloan is black, Rafe is white, Sloan's children are biracial, Rafe's family is a mixed race family. So his dad is white, his stepmom is black, and his two half sisters are biracial as well. So maybe this is why it's not a big issue in the book. And I would say one of the examples of that is how aware he is of hair care when it comes to caring for um, Sloane's daughter's hair. I like the the blending of cultures and the fact that it's frankly not a big deal. He understands certain aspects of of her life, her experiences, and that of her daughter's. You know, due to the feel-good nature of the romance. And it also could be like a nice way to view reality, you know? Yeah, I think there are several ways the story, like if it had been a different story, it could have been an issue. Like if his parents hadn't been a mixed race couple, for example, then maybe they would have an issue with a mixed race couple, which sounds so horrible, but unfortunately realistic in some areas. Well, even... Even if it wasn't like a quote unquote issue, it could have been, for example, the hair care that, that you brought up. It could have been like he just wouldn't have the knowledge of of how how to go about that. Since he does, everything is smooth sailing. But, you know, it could have been like the he wants to know this stuff. He wants to be engaged and helpful and, and all of that, but doesn't know how to go about it. So awkwardness. True. Which still could have worked out because then it's like, okay, well then Sloane could have that moment of, here, let me explain. Or the girls. Right. You know, the girls could be, hey, I want my hair done this way and and teach him. And there are several places in the book, too, where the girls and Sloane talk about like, okay, well, we'll need to make sure he knows how to handle this. I think that also specifically involves their hair. But... Sloane is also, you know, she's proud, successful, empowered. She's not looking for someone she has to teach, I don't think. No. (laughs) So back to the story. Uh, Rafe and Sloane meet at a McDonald's to interview each other to see if Rafe wants to be her nanny. And he is immediately attracted to her. Almost like cartoonishly so. Like you can visualize like the eyes popping out and the tongue lolling yeah, and, yeah he's just like wow. he has the insta attract <laughs> she is also incredibly attracted to him but she's extremely reserved and i think that is because again she doesn't know how to navigate social situations very well so she just hides it all <laughs> the interview goes well they decide okay well let's go back to Sloane's place and have, you know, kind of an afternoon together and see if we're a good fit. But Sloane pretty much offers him the job like immediately. And the only thing that really keeps Rafe from accepting immediately is this attraction to Sloane. And he confesses this. He says to her, I've never worked for a single mother I was this attracted to before. So he just lays it out there. He's just like, boom, here you go. Do you think that was good of him to do? I mean, of course, with romance, obviously, grain of salt. But like, (laughs) do you think that is something that he should have volunteered? Or do you think that is something that he should have kept to himself? I think it was good for him to admit it up front because he wanted to take the job. I think if we were in real life, he should have declined the job and asked her out. Yeah. (laughs) But... Since this isn't real life, I think it's good that he was open about it. Sloane reacts as one would expect with, um, okay, well, is that going to be a problem? Like, if you work here? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, no, of course not. And she's like, okay, then fine. That's cool. Go you. (laughs) And Rafe is like thinking to himself, okay, well, Apparently this is one-sided. That's fine. I'll just deal with it. I'm a grown-up. So I don't know. Maybe that was his way to like put his feelers out there. I don't know. Maybe it was feelers. Maybe if... I mean, he could probably tell that she was socially awkward. And so maybe he wanted to make sure she knew. I don't think a socially awkward person as myself is 
gonna be able to make sense of social awkwardness because i'm like wait no that's normal oh no wait it's not whoops <laughs> well he's not he's not a manipulative person otherwise so i don't know like it seems to me like if he wanted to know if she was attracted to him he'd just be like so you feeling this <laughs> like <That's true. laughs> it just seems like that would be his character i think maybe it's just in the spirit of full disclosure he was like well i can see you really need this help I really want to help, but there's this obstacle. Boom. Here you go. Make a decision that's fully informed. Maybe. But he moves in to the, what do they call it? The mother-in-law suite or whatever. So he has his own area of the house. It's very awkward because he is super professional and she is super closed off and they just don't, they don't talk about the elephant in the room. For a little bit <laughs> that he put there. <laughs> yeah. But he rocks with the kids. Like they immediately like him. He's he's amazing. Like he just fits in perfectly. You know, he learns their routine, all that. However, he's trying to get himself to accept. Okay, well, she's not into me. That's fine. I'm just going to deal with it. It'll be fine. But then Sloan tells him. So yeah, remember when you said you were really into me? Well, I'm kind of really into you too. <laughs> and that just flips the switch in him. He's just like, oh, okay, well then let's act on this. <laughs> they kiss. It's hot and heavy. He wants like, he's ready to dive into bed. She pulls away. She's not ready because she's only, she doesn't tell him this at this point, but she does eventually that she's only been with one guy. Like, kissing, dating, sex, everything. Just the one guy, her ex-husband. Yay, the ex. They make a pact. Like, when she wants to do stuff, she should text him. Give him a booty <laughs> call. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's their plan. Like, that's, that's what they're going to do to make it okay. And I'm just, like, sitting here, like, banging my head against the desk. Just going, like, why? Why? This is just so wrong. <laughs> But is it wrong? You should not be acting on this. Is it so wrong that it's right? It's not a deal. It's not a big deal in this book at no. all. No, it isn't. But he works yeah. for her. You are not incorrect. <laughs> if this were real life, it would be creepy. But take solace in the fact that it's not real life. It's fiction. <laughs> and the thing is, is they have they have really good chemistry. They get together, they get along really well as a couple. There's no problem with that. It's just the dynamic that they're in. Yeah, I feel like there should have been more of a struggle there. You know, internal conflicts or something. Yeah, like, I like you, you like me, but we shouldn't do this. Yeah, they talk about it a little bit, but it's really kind of an <laughs> issue. I feel like it should have been more of an issue because then that would have put tension into the story and possibly made it a little more engaging but it's not there so it's sort of like a there's nothing standing in the way like why prolong the inevitable the other part about it that just seems so weird and, and kind of wrong to me is that he puts the ball firmly in her court which in any other situation would be good yeah but in this situation, it's like, come here, living nanny. I am ready to be fucked now. <laughs> like, <laughs> come perform the services in your contract. A pillow has been provided for you. <laughs> you know? I am not in disagreement. And again, this isn't an issue. This isn't an issue in the story at all. This is this is an issue in Erica's brain. I, I think the fact that it's not an issue in the story <laughs> is an issue for the story because the problem that I had as a reader is there's no tension. There's no conflict. Or at least I didn't sense it. Okay, so there is a little bit. They have the text conversation. Yes. And then she goes to bed. And then she basically sends him a text because she wants to do stuff but she's like she's like i don't know what to do she basically says to him i want you to make this easy on me and so he takes that to heart and like throughout the rest of the book he's just like okay well i'm gonna work really hard to read all your little signals and understand what you actually want because you want this to be easy which again is very sweet on his part but also not cool <laughs> he's sort of in 
a service profession. So that's kind of within his yeah. bailiwick. Yeah. And then that night they cuddle in bed and talk and he fingers her. She orgasms and then he leaves and goes to his bed. And then the next day things are just really awkward because she doesn't know how to handle this. And so she's just back in her cool, indifferent mode. And he reads this as, okay, well, maybe that's it. All right, then. I'm not going to push her. Yeah, they don't talk. Yeah, so so there's this awkward, like, day after thing that's probably the only miscommunication in the book, really. And then after, um, after the girls go to bed, she tells him, like, I didn't know how to act around you because all I wanted to do was, like, jump on you and I couldn't. And, and then after that, they kind of fall into, like, this easy, like make out relationship yeah. sort of they don't actually have sex yet because the girls are always there and they're trying to hide it yeah that is the only <laughs> obstacle let's not screw up the children yeah we didn't even touch on how weird that is too like yes girls i hired a male live-in nanny and i'm also going to have sex with him <laughs> this is fine it's okay six-year-old daughters don't get attached <laughs> Rafe says that he wants to interview to be the man in her life. I like how he talks about like, well, in his mind, the nanny job is one thing. And then like the sexy stuff they've been doing is him wanting to be with her. He's got it all divided up in his head and apparently it's fine for him. So yes, he's yay. compartmentalizing successfully. Yes, but not to knock the scene because the scene yeah. is really cute. So they're having like this awkward conversation after she's come home from work, they're talking about her job. He gets her a glass of water and Sloane kind of remembers herself and she says, this isn't part of your job. It's a part of the other job I might want to interview for. What job is that? The man in your life. And she says, wow. <laughs> and then he says, what? What's the problem? Why won't you let me be great? <laughs> and she says, yeah, I'm the only thing holding you back. And he says, Heating up food for you and hearing about your day is not some kind of hardship. And she says, like, well, you don't have to. And he says, but I want to. And I just, I like it. It's cute. And they're just learning how to talk to each other. Yeah, they are very cute with each other. And if it weren't couched in the fact that, you know, he's her employee, it would be extremely cute. And I would be all for it. <laughs> Around this time, Sloane gets another advice sesh from Zenny. She's like, how do I ask someone to be my boyfriend? And Zenny's like, you don't. You fuck them first and see if it's worth it. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> they need an intensive interview. <laughs> <laughs> but Zenny basically like outlines, okay, first you do step A, then you do step B. That's how you do it. Woohoo. Good luck. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, all of all of Sloane's friends are like, you get some girl. Yeah, they're all very <laughs> encouraging. All of Rafe's friends are like, how did you land a hottie like that? <laughs> Which, fair enough. Then we get the awkward yet kind of expected conversation from the twin girls because they've really bonded with Rafe. Yeah, they're very attached. And they ask, why can't Rafe be our dad? And this is just extremely awkward. Sloane is like, um, because you already have a dad. <laughs> and they're pushing because they're precocious little six-year-olds. And then Rafe says, well, there's like a million steps between like me being in the position I'm in to me being a dad. And we're only on step one. And I don't know. Do you feel like he overstepped? It's so tricky because there's like the, the real life version of what I would be thinking and then the romance story version. So I think within romance fiction, it's fine, especially with the feel good nature of the novel. It's fine. I don't necessarily feel like he did. I mean, if they did get involved further, as a, like once he's no longer her employee, he'd sort of have to start feeling that out. He totally seems like he's wanting to be a father. I think that this initial conversation with her girls needed to be a conversation between Sloane and them. Yeah, that's true. And Sloane just is instantly in the story relying on Rafe to help her navigate social things and so when the girls press and they're like well you know lots of people have two mommies and two daddies why can't Rafe be our other daddy and then Rafe says okay I'll explain 
There are two ways to become your dad. One way is adoption. The other way is if I marry your mom, but there's a lot of steps before that could happen. And then one of the twins, Addison, says, what are the steps? I want to hear all the steps. (laughs) And can they be enumerated? (laughs) Rafe says, step one, we meet. Check. Go on. Addison was really sick of his (laughs) shit. (laughs) And then Rafe kind of hyperbolizes you know well there's going to be step two through 47 and then there's another 87 step process for x y and z you know and then they just kind of leave it at that but it just seems like rafe should have quietly excused himself from the room so sloan could have this conversation with her daughters and then afterward he and sloan could have that conversation together it seems like sloan's very reliant on others and that like To an extreme degree. Yeah, I think so. Because I would be pissed. Yeah, no, (laughs) I'm right there with you. I just don't relate. Like, you don't go telling my kids what what your relationship to them is. No. (laughs) No, you don't get in between. Like, they're confused. They're They're six years old and they're easily attached to people and easily confused. And they're still like dealing with the stress of being abandoned by their previous nanny and here they are you know bonding to you and you don't get to tell them that you could possibly be their dad they seem to really have like no love loss for their biological father because they're already looking to replace him with a guy that they barely know who seems nice i know right (laughs) so i mean i don't understand why rafe isn't having you know some of those red flashers going off in in the back of his mind yeah i mean especially since presumably he's pretty attuned with kids he is he he's great with kids you know to kind of be like hey they're they're really eager to have me i wonder why that is not that it's bad just more information Yeah, and he and Sloan do have a conversation about, like, the ex. Like, what is the ex's place in the twins' life? What is the ex's place in Sloan's life? And we learn about Drew, who is Sloan's ex-husband. Drew is a surgeon as well in Seattle. He has his own practice. He's 15 years older than Sloan. And he kind of, I think, wanted Sloan to be his trophy wife. Yeah. And Sloan was like, no, I'm going to excel and be my own person on my own because I am awesome. And Drew was like, no, no, you are not awesome. You have to stay with me and be a stay at home mother and or work for me in my practice. You cannot go forth and make your own way. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> and at, at some point he even told Sloan he didn't actually want kids. He had just wanted her to have like another reason to stay Uh, which is so nice of him it is alluded to in several parts in the book that when the twins do get their visitation with their dad they get a weekend a month they fly back to seattle their grandmother drew's mom is like the primary caregiver when they're visiting yes to show drew's disinterest in his children yeah so it's a really messy weird custody agreement I'm not very knowledgeable on these sorts of things, but it kind of seems odd that Drew would agree to let Sloan move out of state at all with the children. Yeah. But Sloan has primary custody and he gets one weekend a month. So maybe there was like a factor because she was the primary custody holder. I don't know. Yeah, it just sort of... At least, I don't know, in my mind, it sort of alludes to, like, a a very chaotic home life. Yeah. Where maybe he had to make concessions. My headcanon would be that there was some levels of abuse. And she would say something like, well, if you want to keep your practice, you'll let me go. Because if not, I'll bring this stuff to light. Yeah, maybe she had some dirt on him. Yeah. That's what makes sense to me, and that would be in my head canon. But that's, of course, not even remotely feel good. So, <laughs> appropriately, would not be no in a feel good story. Um, we get to the point in the story where Drew calls Sloane, and he tells her 
I'm flying down to have a conference with their new teacher. I scheduled it for us for this day on Thursday. And then you won't mind them missing a day of school for us to fly back up on Friday. And Sloan is like, absolutely, I do mind. Yes. <laughs> they will not be missing a day of school. Thanks anyway. <laughs> um, the way Sloan handles Drew, I think for the most part in the story is really good. She's very to the point and she lays out her boundaries. It's just Drew ignores them. Yeah. But Sloan is very much like, no, no, this is how things will be. When they go to the conference with the teacher, Drew puts on like this show like, yes, I'm such a good dad. I'm involved. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And Sloan sees it for what it is. Like he's just playing the role, trying to look good. Drew meets Rafe and instantly hates him. He's jelly. He tries to tell Sloane, you need to fire him and find someone else. I don't like him. And Sloane's like, no, no, I will not. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, good, but it also kind of creeps like, okay, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm in the weeds here. I'm thinking about, okay, I'm pretending I'm a single parent. My kid is in the hands of the other parent. Most of the time they hire someone who I don't like to watch the kid and be a prominent part of that kid's life that really effing sucks like if if drew were like a normal person at all i would feel sorry for him yeah he has to be kind of hideous to where you're just like rafe should stay put to negate that argument yeah because i have i i know so many people fathers who don't have the custody that they would like of their children and the crappy situations they're in because they don't get to make certain calls and how their child is raised and it's just sad yeah i agree and so if you think about it from that perspective if drew were just a normal i mean sure maybe he's jealous maybe he's angry maybe he's whatever but if he were just a normal person like a real person i would still feel bad for him but instead he's this just ass yeah he's a total ass so you don't feel bad for him no you don't at all you're like good yeah screw you drew Fuck off. And I think, doesn't he, even at that point, doesn't he make an insinuation that the reason that that Sloan is keeping Rafe around is because of his attractiveness or that they're sleeping together? Doesn't she get offended at this insinuation, but at the same time is like, well, that's not wrong. But again, the ex is an ass. But is he a wrong ass? Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, hey, I don't want you to hire a live-in boyfriend to nanny my children is is a reasonable request in most circumstances yeah i mean see that that's where too in the story where i was thinking like if drew had any kind of power like that could be seen as a threat to their relationship to the psychological well-being of sloan the girls and and to rave but because he's an impotent ass it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's like a mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> I really do hate mosquitoes. <laughs> so Drew and the girls go back to Seattle and Rafe and Sloan finally get adult alone time and they have all the sex and it's amazing and they love it and they kind of agree to make it like official, like they're seeing each other in addition to him still being her nanny. Let's just blur those lines. <laughs> Rafe brings Sloane to a barbecue at his folks' house, introduces her as his girlfriend. She is pretty much loved by the parents, but Rafe's dad does take a moment to kind of go out alone with Rafe and be like, are you sure this is where you want your life to go? Please realize you have other choices. I want to make sure you're fine. And Rafe is like, yes, I am happy. Like, this is what I want. And then uh, Monica and Sloane hit it off pretty well, really. I think Sloane almost feels like welcomed into their family. Yeah, I think so. So after the weekend of all the sex, they go to pick up the girls from the airport. And typically they fly alone, like unaccompanied. But this time their dad flew back with them Hmm. and immediately causes a scene at the airport, like screaming at Rafe, trying to assault him. Rafe, who is 6'5 and buff, (laughs) easily incapacitates him in a very gentle way. Just go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, just holds holds him down until airport security arrives, basically. Goodbye, butthead. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, due to the scene, like several bystanders have filmed it. And so they talk to Sloan after and email her their the footage, you know, in case she needs it for legal reasons. And then Sloan is like, yeah, I might have to rethink this custody agreement <laughs> thing. You think? But they settle the girls down. They make sure they're okay. They don't trash talk Drew in front of them, really. They're just like, yeah, daddy was bad, but it'll be fine. And they do tell them that they're... They're trying out like dating, like they're they're together. The girls are happy about that. Like they want Rafe to be official in their family, which again makes you wonder, like you said. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> well, I always kind of wonder about the stuff that isn't written about with characters. The story ends uh, with Rafe and Sloan telling each other, oh, I might love you a little bit. It's a cute scene. And then we get an epilogue. We learn that um, after six months of nannying, Rafe quits and then proposes. Uh, we learn the custody agreement for the twins changed and the twins only get the contact that they want with their father. And right now they prefer limited contact. And then three years later, Rafe and Sloan are married and they have a baby son together. The end. Yay. Happily ever after. Yeah, it was a really light story. It was just basically like, oh, this couple meets, they have instant attraction, and they they get together. And it was cute. It was fluffy. Yes. What did you think of the audiobook? The audiobook was read by Lacey Laurel. I must admit, I, I struggled with it. There's just a way that she was delivering the text that, I don't know, it just didn't sound right or set right or something. But yeah, she would repeatedly, at the end of the sentence, there would be like a stress. Huh. Which, yes, narrators do do that. But the way she did it almost made the delivery sound impersonal, I guess. So it didn't help you foster a connection with the characters? No, not at all. And I, I did try, but yeah, it, it negatively impacted how the couple chemistry was portrayed, like any kind of banter or anything like that it was it was less present in the dialogue that's too bad because there's a lot of cute stuff in this story they have lots of cute little banter and conversations and lots of um you know sweet falling in love stuff and they they did have really good chemistry when i read the book i really i really liked them together i thought it was great i mean my reservations for the situation aside <laughs> you know yeah i think it was definitely supposed to be that sort of cute feel good but yeah it was that was rough going with the with the narration so um are you happy for their happy yeah i mean i can kind of see where where the cuteness was supposed to be so i guess i'm reasonably happy or reasonably contented I guess I can say happy, yes, ecstatic would be a stretch. <laughs> At the conclusion of the story, I don't think I was like, yay, they got together. It was just like a, okay, yeah, they got together. <laughs> what about you? I hope you were happy for them. Sounds like it. Uh, yeah, I was. Um, this book is what it says on the tin, you know, like Rafe, a buff male nanny. And yep, that's what you get. <laughs> and if that's what you want... It's perfect. Yeah, and you know what? Totally. I liked it. They had really good chemistry. They had really, really good communication for the most part. They did have like their their baggage and their backstories and things like that, but they were adults about it, which was really nice. Um, it felt like they got to know each other in a natural sort of way. Honestly, I would say my biggest gripe with the the happiness is the way their relationship started out but not every relationship starts out under the most ideal circumstances and true the the couple time and, and the chemistry were great the sex was good there were some really hot scenes in this book so yeah i'm happy for them and hopefully hopefully they don't have to deal with drew too much no i don't imagine they will <laughs> so how do you rate sloan i had a hard time with these ratings i mean she's definitely awkward and i think Sometimes the awkwardness negatively impacted any awesomeness I could have dished out because of her repeated reliance on other people to guide her. It was off-putting. 
it's it was difficult because she's she's so accomplished and amazing at her career and i'm just wondering why where where is that in who she is outside of surgery yeah there is a disconnect there maybe i'm being too harsh i don't know what about you i think she was awesome i agree there is a little bit of a degree of awkwardness but for the most part i really liked that she was a very successful person she was a single mom and killing it she's a good parent um her kids are are great agreed you know, and it, it makes sense for someone in her situation to have trouble forming those initial relationships and knowing how to navigate social things. But in a situation where she does know the rules, aka heart surgery or whatever, she excels. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense for someone who's socially awkward. If there's a situation where there are explicit rules, it's easy to follow the rules and excel. And if you are in a situation like a social situation where there aren't necessarily explicit rules, it's harder to excel. I agree. So I didn't see that disconnect as much, or at least it didn't feel off to me, I guess. I really loved how how, um, empowered she was, you know? She was a cool person. Totally. How would you rate Rafe? I think he was kind of awesome. I think it was one of those like, I liked that he was not toxic masculinity guy, so that's nice. That's always nice. Yeah, totally. You know, he wasn't awkward. I mean, he he didn't seem to have the the social. I don't want to use the word awkward again. Um, <laughs> the social doubts and anxieties that that she did. Agree. Yeah, he's almost eerily well adjusted. But I mean, it's fine. He he's certainly not awful, <laughs> and due to being incredibly well adjusted not awkward so there you go what about you i thought rafe was awesome in a fantasy way (laughs) he's basically perfect you know he's like the mary poppins of buff male nannies he's mary poppins y'all i agree with you that he didn't have any toxic masculinity aspects to his character which was really nice he was very much just a calm, laid back, gentle dude mm-hmm. who happened to be giant and buff. <laughs> and bearded and tattooed. Honestly, a lot of large guys are kind of chill. So that part wasn't necessarily unrealistic. It was more just, he's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also awesome. Like, I enjoyed reading about him. He was a good hero. I think this was more of a Sloan story than a Rafe oh, story. Totally. And Rafe was there to to support her story he was supporting cast and he did a good job he was what she needed yeah good job buddy a plus what about the villains or antagonists in the story (laughs) i don't know in a weird sort of way like i guess the girls could be a little bit of the antagonist because they are preventing (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they prevent the couple from from getting it on but i don't mean like that they're little villains i thought they were adorable (laughs) Yeah, they were awesome. As far as kids go, book kids, they were pretty damn good. So, yeah, I mean, I don't mean it in that sense. But yeah, they were definitely obstacle-y. Little cock-blocky. Apart from that, I think the only other obstacle I can think of at this moment was the ex. He was kind of uh, loud, but easy to dismiss. Because he wasn't really a threat to anything. He just kind of showed up and existed for a while. And then you could ignore him after that. He was like, (laughs) you know, some sort of monster behind plate glass that you could just... Okay, we're walking away now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry? What about you? I didn't really think about the girls as being an antagonist. (laughs) But I I agree with your assessment there. I think they kind of were. Antagonist isn't inherently bad. I would say the two primary (laughs) villains in the story are Drew and Tess. Oh, right, Tess. Yeah. Tess is pretty much a non-issue. But she's a terrible human being and deserved way more. Horribleness. Than she, yeah, she deserved way more than she got. You do not abandon children. Way more consequences. (laughs) It's like, oh, she just got to bail and that was fine. Yeah. No. 
There's there's a part in the story where you find out she had taken the girls out for a beach day and Sloane had packed them a bag lunch, but Tess wanted to take them out for lunch. And so she had the girls hide the lunch right. in the car. That's the car that Sloane just uses for the girls. That's not the car she uses to drive to work or whatever. She hadn't used that car since Tess left. And when Rafe came by to make sure it had <laughs> enough gas or whatever when he was starting up, he was like, overcome by this horrific stench of rotting sandwich meat something wicked this way comes <laughs> and i mean not only that but like that like impacted the girls because tess basically had the mm-hmm. girls lie to their mom oh don't tell her that i'm taking you out instead of eating this lunch yes so there's a lot wrong with tess and she has a lasting impact i think on um addison and avery i hadn't thought about that yeah throughout the story so even though she's not physically present she's impacted their lives greatly i would say and then the second antagonist or villain i put was drew obviously but he was ineffective i think really the the threat that he posed was that very real threat that i think divorced parents have where it's like i don't have complete control over how my children will be raised but he doesn't make any impact though but yeah there's the idea of the threat he doesn't but that's that's what sloan is concerned with that's what's impacting her choices that's why she moved to la yeah no you're right he's a weird character too because it's like he hasn't really accepted that he's divorced i guess that he lost so to speak yeah because he like refers to sloan as my wife when he talks to Mm -hmm. rafe it's like no (laughs) no 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 ex-wife and and not only that but she's not your possession you no (laughs) this is a person not a possession say it with me (laughs) yeah so i think i i would say he's not a very effective villain but he is a terrible person how did you rate the book i put the book at a 2.5 and yeah i don't know what else to say it was difficult for me to to attach to understand some of the thing i think maybe it was understanding like you were saying with tess where sloan comes in finds her daughters and then doesn't go after tess legally yeah where's the anger i'm angry they're fictional children I think those are those moments where it's like I wanted to to label her as awesome. Maybe her genius impacted this in some way, but it just made it really unrelatable to not want to make sure Tess paid for abandoning her children for however many hours. You know, it wasn't like 20 minutes. The kids will probably be fine. They are inquisitive, bright children who I could easily see like, hey, we're hungry and we've seen this maid a number of times who hasn't had Kraft macaroni and cheese. It is amazing. I could so see that. Two little kids just wanting to feed themselves start boiling water or something. Granted, feel good story. This doesn't happen but you know what i mean it's that terror of what could have happened but maybe i misunderstood and maybe the narration played a part in that i don't know no i i agree with you because typically in stories in real life when you know the children are threatened the mother bear comes out yeah <laughs> you know or papa bear it's like the- rah my babies where was that in this story? Yeah, it was, I was just like, seriously. And even with the ex-husband, I mean, she seemed so calm. She severely underreacts. And again, like, I don't know if that's because of her type of genius or, or what, but I'm just going, okay, so they don't want anything to do with their father, it seems like. I mean, they're not, when do we get to see daddy? It's more like obligatory. It's more like, do we have to? Yeah, and I mean, granted, I'm sure they want to go see their grandmother, which is good because it sounds yeah. like that's who they spend the majority of their time with. Not that that would be a bad arrangement. Once a month, oh, go visit grandma. Yay. Yeah, and they even they even say in the story that Sloan uh, lets them continue the relationship with their grandmother on that side. So that's good. The grandma seems cool. But yeah, I don't understand why she's so chill because that would not be my gut reaction. Yeah, and I mean, even if, even if surface level she was calm, 
Why didn't she call the cops? And that would make sense to me, too, because you wouldn't want to lose your cool in front of your kids. And you would want to keep them calm and have yeah. them relaxed for their well-being. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, surface level calm, sure. But like the boiling yeah. in the head part, like that didn't happen. Not enough, I don't think. I think that's maybe why in certain ways I related more to Rafe than I did Sloan. I mean, he's almost freakishly re- well adjusted and perfect or whatever <laughs> and let's face it i am far from that <laughs> and even he was pretty chill about things i think for rafe's part it's because he was letting sloan call the shots yeah. these are your kids i'm gonna follow your lead which makes sense and i mean he does think murderous thoughts about drew that is true someone should i was <laughs> So how did you rate the book? I rated it a three, kind of edging toward a 3.5. Okay. I really liked it. It was fluffy. It was fun. I read it quickly. I liked the chemistry the couple had. I thought that was good. I mean, I've spent like the past however long nitpicking everything. But when I was reading it, it was just like, yay, they're happy. And that's the that's the nature of the beast with the podcast and everything is we do get nitpicky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not doing that, then obviously your your enjoyment level would probably increase because you're not looking for flaws. You're just enjoying. Yeah, I liked it. I liked um, author's writing style. I felt like there was like a sufficient amount of backstory characterization for the main characters. Mm-hmm. I liked the friend groups. I liked the kids, which are notoriously hard to write, I think. They are. Especially precocious kids. <laughs> um, the author did a really good job yeah. giving each of the twins their own personality, which was great. Yeah, so it was a fun, fun, quick read. I enjoyed it. So did you feel romanced? Mm. I think so, because it's a very wish fulfillment type of story. (laughs) Who doesn't want a hot buff male nanny to swoop in and take care of all of your domestic duties? Not gonna lie, that would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) And your other needs. Yeah, so I I think so. And we got a lot of good couple time. Mm -hmm. I think like they got to know each other. They they had a lot of conversations. The communication in this book was really good. Um, It felt believable that they would be together. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I don't think this is going to surprise you. But no, I did not. Do you think it's due to the audiobook or do you think it's due to the um like the flippant nature of the You mean the feel goodness like the the fluffy Yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah, cuz I I appreciate that I'm the asshole that would make sure that the matrix had horribleness in it because I could not accept a lovely reality without <laughs> yeah. any kind of conflict. I I appreciate that about myself. Sorry. Sorry world. <laughs> I think that's the thing is I'm just I need I need the couple to kind of go through something. I I think I need that so that I get emotionally invested because I was not emotionally invested yeah. them at all. So therefore, I'm probably it's it's pretty unlikely if I'm going to feel anything at that point. Yeah, they had an easy journey. Yeah, and I I think that just negatively impacts my ability to and yeah, the the narration played a role. I mean, I can't lie that it didn't. I really try like especially if the narrator and I just aren't jiving for whatever reason to find a way to to account for that I I think it was a two-fold issue (laughs) yeah I'm not surprised I was expecting this (laughs) (laughs) two-prong two-something multifaceted yes that makes me sound more clever even though I didn't say it I will take credit for you (laughs) saying it What else have you been reading? So what I'm reading right now is called The Intimacy Experiment by Rosie Dannon. I'm not finished with it, but it is about Naomi's journey and how she falls in love, question mark, with Ethan, who is a rabbi because he he wants to have some modern day relationship classes for the synagogue and he hires her she's like oh no this is going to go spectacularly badly and (laughs) it's really interesting it's great the the naomi is good because you liked that character didn't you yes to be clear uh naomi is a secondary character in um the roommate 
which we talked about on a previous episode and we both really loved her as a character yeah she's amazing i still continue to love her i think she's great yeah i have this on my to be read as yeah, well I'm, I'm trying not to spoil because i know you want to read and i don't think you want to be spoiled i do not but it is good you'll like it and then we'll discuss awesome <laughs> So what have you been reading? So I recently finished um, Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nescasta. Uh, apologies to the author if I said that wrong. I'm not going to lie. This book is based on the milking fetish. Okay. <laughs> Which, no judgment. It's not typically my thing. But generally, when I read a synopsis for a book that's just like, sounds like, how is that going to work? I must know. <laughs> so Your interest is peaked. Yeah, so this was one of those books. It takes place in a kind of contemporary but fantastical setting where humans live alongside fantasy creatures, elves, centaurs, minotaurs. Our main character is Violet, who's a 20-something human who recently got out of grad school and has been unable to find a job in her field and is slowly spiraling, you know, as many <laughs> of us millennials do. Um, <laughs> Head is spinning. <laughs> you know, like, oh, wow, cost of living is just... It's a cost. Unmanageable. <laughs> I feel accosted by the cost. <laughs> she sees an ad in the paper for Morning Glory Milking Farm, which is a pharmaceutical company that procures the primary ingredient of Viagra, which in this world comes from Minotaur semen. Okay. Naturally derived. <laughs> yes. By skilled technicians. Excellent. Who milk willing minotaurs. Consent is key. Yes, they are clients. So the minotaurs get paid. Nice. This is basically like a side hustle for many adult male minotaurs, which go them. There are different types of clients. So some of them are just like, it's very much just a side hustle for them. Like get in, get out or get in, get off, get out <laughs> type of thing. Nice. And then there are some that very much fetishize it. The book makes it sound like they're creepy. Kind of just like, ew. Mm. But it's very clear that to the technicians, this is not a sexualized job. So they don't view it as sex work, even though in our world, that probably would be at least sex work tangential. Yeah, that makes sense. You do something repeatedly and it kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny too, because she's newly hired and the first, the first Minotaur that she works with, she feels like this instant like chemistry with, and he feels it with her. And it's very awkward and weird. And the whole time she's like telling herself like, no, no, this is bad. Like, this is a service I am providing. This is not a a thing and that would be tricky too because if it's your you know if you're new to the job you don't know you know you're still sorting things out yeah and every other client she doesn't have this issue with like it's very much fine she's got it compartmentalized very well but with this client she starts to develop a crush on him it's only told from her point of view but you learn he is also feeling it and at some point they meet in real life dun, dun, dun. and they start dating at that point it's just this sweet love Aww. story it's very very sweet he's super respectful and works really hard to make sure that there's no weird power imbalance or whatever oh, so it was a very cute story and i really really enjoyed it which is funny because of the premise but so many fantasy sci-fi type romances that i read i'll click on it to go oh wow how does that work and then i read it and then i like really <laughs> like it so oh, good you know there's something to be said for it hey you're finding material you enjoy reading that's wonderful heck yeah so if you like a you know another real sweet story you know i highly recommend yay the feel goods everybody could use the feel goods and that's it for this time check out our website romancemepodcast.com for our show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Join us next time when we discuss Tears of Tests by Pepper Winters. Bye! Bye! Sorry about all the editing.
in the can and you still get surprised. Yeah, it's a real slow learning curve over here. 